welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident in your 30s. And you are in for such a treat today with the podcast guests that I've invited on, on a topic that I know will be of interest to so many of you. And it's really inspiring and I'm so happy that we're going to be talking all about becoming a single mother by choice. Now, for those of you that this isn't so relevant for, if you feel that you aren't in a discussion right now about whether to have children, it's not something on your mind, or if you've already decided that that's not the right path for you, then feel free to skip this episode. Although I do think that it's not really just about choosing to have a child, it's also about choosing your own path and doing something different from the norm. But again, if you don't feel that it's accurate for you to listen to this guest's story and the conversation that we have, then not to fret because I've got some episodes coming up that are going to be focusing on other choices such as being child-free by choice and they'll be coming up on the podcast soon. And on that note, it's time to tell you all, I'm feeling a bit emotional to say this, that I'm parting from my podcast mic for a brief summer break. This episode is going to be the last before we go off for a month break in August and we're back with a bigger and better Turning 30 podcast 2.0 in September. The podcast is really going to go to the next level. We're going to be filming video, which is something that I've never done before. So up until now, I've got away with three whole years of hiding behind the microphone without having to switch my video on. And that's all about to change. And we're going to be having lots of interesting guests, loads more topics. Feel free to send me any requests that you have. We're still in the planning phases. And Yes, it's just going to mean that the podcast is going to be expanding and growing and it's going to be bigger than before. It's been three incredible years of episodes, we're almost at 100 episodes and I'm just really excited to see what the future holds for the Turning 30 podcast. So I'll ask you all again to really share this episode with those who you think will benefit from it, who will would like to listen to it and if you can subscribe, follow, rate and review the podcast and help me get it into as many ears as possible, I'll be ever so grateful. It's also time to remind you all that in this break I'm actually going to be running my Align Retreat, such a huge manifestation for turning 30 that this retreat has been put together we are going to be meeting in the countryside in Kent in the UK next weekend and there are still the last couple of spots left so if you're feeling spontaneous and you don't have plans next weekend then please feel free to be in touch with me over on my Instagram account at turning30coach and we can talk about giving you one of the last spaces. So let me introduce this week's guest. I have invited Ebony Hibbert to talk all about her journey to becoming a solo mother. She is a mindset mentor and coach for women in their 30s and 40s who want to redraw the timeline and take charge of their fertility with or without a partner. 
She mostly works with single women pursuing egg freezing or solo motherhood and she helps them to understand their options, redefine traditional narratives that are keeping them stuck and guide them to where they want to be in life. You're going to love this episode. Hey Ebony and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this topic. It is something that I know so many of my listeners will benefit from from hearing about. And I also have lots of curiosities about single motherhood. So I, yeah, I'm just really happy to have you here. And I thought we'd just start off by you introducing yourself and explaining a little bit about, I guess, your life right now, like what you're doing right now. And then we'll go back and you can start to share the journey of of how you became a single mum. Okay. Yep. Great. So I am a solo fertility mentor and coach and mindset coach. So I support women who are on the journey to egg freezing or solo motherhood, and I help them kind of redefine the traditional narratives of like, you have to have a partnership to have a baby and get them where they want to go and help them sort of break through fears around doing this on their own, because it's not the traditional path, but it is a very empowering path. I mean, it, it's hard these days to meet, you know, when you're in your 30s, it can be hard to meet a guy that's ready to settle down and have kids. So it's like, this is another option. And I just want to get the message out there that this is a great option and a really empowering option. Yeah, I love that. And can you share a little bit about your turning 30 journey? So almost like where you were when you were in your 30s, how that felt for you and yeah, any reflections that you have on this period of time when you became 30? Yes, for sure. So actually when I turned 30, I was like four years into a relationship, but it just was not serving me. It was like, I I had, I had a very, like, I was attracting the dynamics of my childhood and like my experience of love, which was like having a very charismatic, angry father and then attracting charismatic, angry men who were like emotionally unavailable and who just didn't treat me very well. And I remember this moment where I was lying in bed and I was in the spare room because my boyfriend at the time was like studying. And he was like, if you're going to go out, you have to sleep in the spare room. Like this is like, I had such low standards for myself. I was like, just so accepting of bullshit like that, like really, really bad. And I was lying there like, I could never really have kids with this guy because he's just not really very nice. But in the same breath, it was like, but I'll never leave him because it's too hard. And like, I was the one that really pursued him in a way Mm. for like ages. And I wanted this so badly. And I'm like, I can't change my mind. I'm like, I'm I'm just stuck now. Was that linked to age? Was it like kind of, I'm just going to be with him because that's it. And I'm already 30 and I'm in this relationship and I'm just going to just go with it. No, do you know what? It wasn't age. It was more like, I really like cared more about what other people thought than Mm. about my own emotional truth. So like he was really attractive. Like people would say to me, oh, your boyfriend's so good looking. And like that validated me. And it was like, it didn't matter that behind closed doors, he was actually a bit of an asshole, (laughs) but like it really made me, that stuff like was what I thought that I needed. And also I was just in these patterns, like my mum who she was a stay-at-home mom her message was you need to find a man and you need to settle down and like and it didn't matter that 
they weren't able to kind of love you in the right way. It was like, just be with someone. That was Mm. it. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, it it probably won't end well, but I'm probably going to have to have kids with him because I'm in it now and I don't want to disappoint people. I had like a flat with him. We bought a flat and it's like, it felt embarrassing to end it, which seems crazy now. (laughs) But like at the time, this is what I was thinking. Like, I just can't because what's everyone going to think? Like I was the one that really wanted this. I can't just change my mind. Like I had no, just like compassion for myself. And in the end I did end it like when I was about 31. And then it was just like Tinder was (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet someone because Tinder came out and it was like that swipe culture. And I'm like, there's so many guys out there, but actually it's like a blessing and a curse, right? Like probably for women more of a curse because there's just the next best thing. Everyone's onto the next best thing. And it wasn't really going anywhere. And I remember being like almost 35 and I'd booked, my my birthday's two days after Christmas. So I'd had this, like, decided to have a birthday in October and, like, because no, no one's ever around at Christmas. So I'm, like, I'm going to have a birthday finally. And, like, I booked this house on the coast. And the day before, the guy who owned it said I've double booked and he put us in this other house. And I was, there was, like, two double bedrooms and then a bunk room. And I was the only one not in a couple. So I'm, like, okay, well, I'll just have to take the bunk room. And I'm on this top bunk, like, having a panic attack I'm like I'm turning 35 and I'm single and I really want to be a mom and like I just I don't know how to like make this happen and the thing that I did was just like try to control everything like okay just date a million people and something's gonna stick it's like a numbers game right Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't like I was just I kept attracting the same dynamic, which is like, you know, we attract that dynamic because we think through this guy, we're going to, our subconscious thinks we're going to be able to heal that wound from childhood, which is like, you know, my dad's love was very inconsistent. Like I know unconditionally he loves me, but it was, he wasn't there. He didn't meet my needs. I was like kind of trying to be all breezy and not have needs and go into these relationships. Like I'm not after this, committed relationship that's going to lead to a family I'm just pretending to be like really really breezy like oh I'm just like you know trying to like hang out I know I always say I I always say the phrase like trying to be easy breezy cover girl like that's what women try to do because they're so afraid of actually saying what they truly want and isn't there something so loaded about that when you turn 35 and you're a single woman because it's like yeah you then go even more into that space because you're like even more so I just want to find that person so I need to be even wheezier even easier than before and it's like you go the other way and yeah thank you for sharing that about that specific situation where you were in this top bunk and you were you were panicking and your friends were sleeping in their lovely double rooms probably and you know this the whole single thing about you being the one to be you know put in the not the not nice room and yeah, I think that it's something that so many women at this age experience. And I think that 35, you know, I speak about it a lot in my content because of what society says about the fertility cliff. 35 is just a very stressful age for a woman who wants to be yeah. a mom and who isn't on the way to that. Yeah, totally. That was just like that. There was such an unease about my life, like in my 30s. And it just, it was, it was permanent it was just like there the whole time like I had that uncertainty about whether I'd ever become a mum and that just it it sent me into this spin like all the time and then that obviously like 
came out when I was dating and I'm like, oh, I'm covering it up really well. And I think about like, as we're talking about trying to be that breezy girl, it's like in Gone Girl when she's like, you got to be the cool girl. It's like all of that was going on, yet this internalized pressure that just Mm. felt awful. It was just so, so, so awful. And like, I didn't even want to be dating all the time. Like if I was really true to myself, I would have, I'm, I'm an actual, like a homebody. Like I like to just stay at home a lot. And like, it was forcing myself out. And like, I was neglecting hanging out with friends. I'm like, I've got to date two or three times a week because, mm-hmm. you know, I was really, really like, I don't like the word desperate, but I was, I was like really desperate to meet somebody. And if you could go back to that time now, knowing obviously how your story is developed and and what's happened in your life what would you tell that version of yourself who was stressed and forcing herself to date and doing all those things yeah well there's a few things I would say first of all look at your dating patterns like we are attracting that dynamic and just like live your life like like build a life that you love and the rest will just fall into place so that was that was the thing. Like, I love your message because it's like embrace where you are. And that's my message as well. Like, love life exactly where you are. Like, I did not think that was possible for someone like me. And I don't even know whether my message to myself would land with myself back then because I was so like someone like me. Like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm not going to be able to like change. I'm not going to mm. stop suffering until I meet a partner. Like, everything is about meeting a partner. Like I will only feel happy when I meet that partner and when I'm on the way to having a baby. So like everything in my world has to change and then I'll change. But it's obviously it's the other way around. Like you change internally and your external world changes. And that is what I would tell myself. Like, yeah. And it's so true what you just said about, I probably wouldn't even have like the message wouldn't have landed. I also say that a lot is that you know, one year ago, I was also just coming up to my 35th birthday and I was freaking out. And it's like even more like scary to freak out because I'm this like thought leader who talks about these these things and how to own it. And then I'm like, I was at my best friend's wedding and I'm just like getting more and more stressed about like, oh my God, like, is this going to happen for me? And and I know that a lot of the, what I say now after one year of reflect, like reflecting on it, I wouldn't have listened. You know, if I would have opened a podcast episode and heard the message that I am saying, telling myself, I probably would have rolled my eyes and just switched to the next one. I didn't want yeah. to hear it because there's something so comfortable about being in that victim space that we just, yes. you know, it's very comfortable to be like, I'm suffering and I need a, a man to save me or a relationship to save me. And yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're tempted to turn us off, please don't. <laughs> because <laughs> even if it if it triggers you, it means you need to hear it. I always say that. Yeah. So yeah. Amazing. So so what happened after? So obviously you're in this space and you were struggling at the thought of not meeting somebody. And then what changed? Well, I mean, it, it kind of continued on. So I actually did meet someone on Tinder when I was 35, and it was so performative. Like I was so agendered about it. Like, I'm like, this, okay, this is it. And again, I'd gone for this like charismatic, angry man, like really shiny, 
big things about him. Like, you know, he went to Oxford, like all of these things that I just thought really validated me. And it was like Mm. my deep internal wound of not good enough. And it's like, Mm. if this guy loves me, then I can prove to myself that I'm good enough. But it just would constantly prove to me that I wasn't because they weren't emotionally available. They would just reflect that wound back to me because it wouldn't work out. And there was no real connection because I just wasn't myself. I'm like, I need to kind of get this to a point. And it just, it all became like the dating, everything. It became not about like finding someone to fall in love with, but about like finding someone to have a baby with. And I think that is such a different energy. And when you get into that energy of, I just need someone to find a baby with, then you have to really step back and say, okay, this is not really the right energy to be in. And maybe I need to open myself up to having a baby on my own because, I mean, this is what I've learned that having a baby on your own never means you have to give up on partnership. It's just redrawing that timeline and Mm -hmm. actually being like, I've got forever to find someone now. It's like taking that pressure off is just Mm -hmm. such a big step. But yeah, when I was dating this guy, it was just like awful. (laughs) Like I would catch myself it was almost like I was outside of myself. I would say things and then I'm like, was that even me? Like I I lost myself so much. Like I was so inauthentic. And then no wonder in the end he broke up with me. And it's like, well, no wonder because I wasn't myself. There was no real connection. And I just, I was massively heartbroken by it. I was like, oh my God, I'm 36 and I'm single again. And I just couldn't like handle, like, I just couldn't handle being dumped as well. Like it was way worse than my six-year relationship ending, even though it was quite short. But I I went, I, it was the start of my kind of spiritual awakening. Like I started to really understand attachment style and the fact that I had an t- anxious attachment style. And even though I understood it, I didn't really get in front of it and I didn't know how to get in front of it. So I was like, okay, this is a thing. This is what happened, but I still don't really know what to do about it. So I just kept dating. I froze my eggs actually at that point at 36, I froze my eggs. And that felt like a bit of reprieve because I just wasn't in the state to date after that massive heartbreak. And so I froze my eggs. And then about a year later, we started dating again, like 37, 38. And it was just the same. It was just like attracting the same kind of guy and nothing really landing and trying to be like really easy about it, but actually just massively feeling the pressure like the years were slipping by I was getting closer to 40 and I'd read this article that said actually fertility doesn't fall off cliff at 35 as long as you have babies by 40 then that's fine so I was like okay in the back of my mind I was like okay I can do this on my own I just didn't think I would like even though it was like it was kind of like a crutch like I would go on a date and it'd be a bad date and I'm like oh I'm just gonna have to do this on my own but I didn't actually ever think that I could or would What was holding you back from thinking? I mean, I know it's a very obvious question because it's probably most most women's fears of having a baby alone. But what were the main things that were blocking you from from considering it at that point? Yeah. Do you know what? Actually, it was really probably not what, well, maybe not what it is for most women, but like I needed validation from a relationship. So like Mm -hmm. all the feelings and all the stories that I was telling myself, and it was probably on a very subconscious level, like you're not good enough to be chosen by someone. Like this is what I was making it mean. If I 
announce I'm having a baby on my own. This is what everyone's going to think. I'm not good enough to be chosen by someone. Like it's all of these things about myself. Like there's something wrong with me. It would prove all of those things. And so all of these stories were just going around in my head. And it was also like just that societal programming that was like a relationship's the answer, a relationship's the way you do it, a relationship's what makes you happy. Like that was just so strong for me. So it was like really deep-rooted beliefs Mm. and those beliefs were creating those stories that I just didn't want to accept. And like if, as I said, like I had this really core wound of not good enough. So if there was a boyfriend and he loved me, then I'd be lovable. Mm. If he thought I was good enough, then I'd feel good enough. So it was all of that was going on and that was what really, really like definitely kept me stuck. And was that connected to the want to have a child? Was it like did you actually want to be a mum? separately or was the was the child like oh I want to create something with someone because once they validated me and then we can go on that path together no I wanted a child separately like it always wanted to be a mom but I think it came back to my childhood like really having that kind of inconsistent love and like wanting to create something where it was just really like warm and loving and I felt like that would be created in a partnership Mm. But I wanted, yeah, I wanted to be a mom. It, it's funny because I wasn't a baby person. Like I knew I wanted to be a mom, but I wasn't like when I saw other, like, and and this was a confusing bit as well. Like I'd see other people's babies. And even when I was pregnant, like three months pregnant, and I, my cousin's baby like was there and I got, she's like, oh, do you want to hold her? And I'm like, oh, in my head, I'm like, not really, but I will. And then I just didn't know, like, it's almost like I didn't know how to speak to kids and I, like they intimidated me and all of this stuff. I just really want to say something here. I'm so happy that you brought this up because I think that there's something here about like we put women in a box of like the really maternal broody woman who's really good with kids and she's the one who's going to go down the journey of solo motherhood. But if it's like you're not sure or you're not, you know, what you just described, how you feel, which by the way is exactly how I feel around (laughs) babies and kids is like almost like, well, that wouldn't be for you because do you even want a kid? And and it's something really hard because, you know, I, I froze, I've frozen my eggs. I speak about it publicly on my, on my platforms. And, and I always try and really make it clear and obvious and say it out loud. I personally, I'm not that obsessed with kids. Like I'm not very good with children. I don't know how to speak to kids. Kids annoy me. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, my best friend just had a baby and her daughter is absolutely beautiful and I do love her. But when she starts crying, I'm like, take her back like I'm not interested and I just think that it's really I'm really happy that you said that out loud because I think that there's this perception that if you are going to embark on a journey of solo motherhood then you need to be obsessed with having kids it's like the one and only part of your life story yeah it's not true it definitely wasn't true for me like I was the same like give them back like and and that was a real worry because I'm like Partly I'm like, am I doing this as an insurance policy against regret? Like I know I'll regret it one day if I don't have kids. I mean, I knew I really did have that burning desire. Like I knew I wanted my own family. So yeah, but yes, definitely wasn't interested in other people's kids. So did a specific event or scenario happen that kind of took you from this place that you said that you were still dating and it was like this almost security blanket of an option to actually say, okay, this is it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, well, I turned 39 and actually 
it was something that happened. Like I went to see this shaman who a friend had seen and recommended. And I went about this, like I knew I had some unhealed stuff. My brother died when I was 19, my younger brother in a car accident. I knew there was something going on still. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe this will help. And I went to see him and it was absolutely transformational in, in what lifted from that, like this pain, this heaviness, and like just a lot of things opened up. And I came out of that like, oh, I had clarity. Like, why am I relentlessly pursuing a relationship? Because I never really felt good in them. Like, I'd never had a great relationship. I'd always been with these guys who didn't treat me that well and who just, like, it wasn't fun. Like, it was never fun. Like, why am I pursuing this so relentlessly? Like, I know I want to be a mom. Like, I'm just going to do it. And that was the point where I gained all of that clarity. Like, this makes sense. This just makes more sense. Because now, you know, even if I met someone and it happened quite quickly, like, it could be the wrong person to have a baby with. Like, I, I started to really understand that not everything works out. There are no guarantees. It was like this one hyper-focus on a relationship, irrespective of like whether it was a good one or not. I was like, it, I just have to have a relationship. But when I really stepped back from that, it's like, well, no, you need the right relationship for kids and it has to be the right environment. And like, there's no time to really explore that. So let's just do this solo. And you know, I can meet someone at any point. Like it all sort of just dawned on me in a different way when I think just shifting a lot of that old pain that I had and that heaviness and yeah, not needing to be validated anymore. Yeah. And you've mentioned a few times in the, in the episode so far about this perception of what other people will think and the embarrassment and the shame and, and that thing. And how did you cope with that once you came into the space of saying, okay, I'm going to just take control and, and go for it and start the process how did that play into it yeah well I think my I I really was worried about like telling my dad who's very traditional and who I was just like what is he going to tell his friends on the golf course about like his daughter using a sperm donor and it, it just kind of all was like well it doesn't matter. Like it just was like, you've got to really like, I changed my mindset around it. And I was kind of like starting to get into this self-development work. And I'm like, when I get to the end of my life, like when the lights go out, there's just nothing. I mean, he's not even going to be there probably, but like, there's nothing anyone can say or do to kind of change what happened. And like, to give you the things that you want and like why would I get to the end and not have done these things it just doesn't make any sense like do the things that you want to do and Mm. like I knew I wanted a baby and like it was also like the start of other people doing it as well it just started to be normalized like I didn't know many people but I knew one friend of a friend and I'm like oh okay like I can do this and those stories about not being good enough I just kind of put them to the side it's like I'm doing this now. And like, once I make a decision, I'm like on it. So it changed mm-hmm. from like, must meet a partner to must have a baby. Almost. Yeah. Like I almost transferred that, like that not good enough wound onto like, okay, now I need a baby to like, to make myself feel good enough, which also just went, you know, for a long time, like probably blocked me from getting pregnant. Like I spent almost two years trying to get pregnant. So I then healed all of that, all of those wounds, like, that I then got pregnant quite quickly after, like did a lot of mindset work, did a lot of like. That's so interesting that I actually want to touch upon this point about how 
after you did the mindset work, you you were able to get pregnant because I started, I did a post the other day. I'm not sure if you saw it on my, on my Instagram grid about the fertility cliff and how, you know, there's this perception in popular culture and society that once you women turn 35, that's it. Like her, her eggs basically dry up and she'll never be able to have a kid and how it's based on really outdated data. And yes. I had a lot of backlash from it, from doctor, well not doctors, a couple of people who were like, don't listen to this woman. She doesn't have any medical knowledge, which is true. I don't. And I kind of answered that by saying, okay, you can tell me all the statistics, but, and I'll bear them in mind. And it's no one's lying and saying that you get more, more fertile as you reach your forties. Like we all know the truth of the situation. However, the power of your mind to dictate your fertility or your body's ability to to have a baby is is that it's present. We can't deny it. There's so many things at play. So I'd love to hear your take on that from your own experience. And maybe you could even share a little bit about, about your journey of getting pregnant and the difficulties that you encountered. Yeah, for sure. Like I realized that fertility is way more than the physical and it was like a long journey for me. I did the IVF. I did three rounds of IVF and I had a miscarriage and I was very like controlling. So everything was about like, what can I do to control my fertility? And that was just, you know, childhood wounds again of like needing to be in control to feel safe. And so it was like, I went to all the top nutritionists. I did, I was on the forums, like, what are people doing to get pregnant? I'll do it. I'll do it all. And it was such a energy of restriction and force and like, just, it it just didn't work. And like, I got to the point where after I'd had a miscarriage, I tried with a friend and I thought like, and I thought that was going to be how my story ended. Like, you know, it just fortuitously happened that this friend wanted to co-parent and whatever. So I'm like, oh, maybe this is how it's going to end. And then I had a breakdown after that because I'm like, oh, I've been through all of this like fertility treatment and I'm back at square one. And this was like, you know, over a year into my journey. And then I decided I just didn't want to have any more fertility drugs. Like I didn't want to do IVF anymore. So I found a sperm donor online in America and I went over there and I tried just artificial insemination, like just with this kind of, I mean, I I won't say it's like a random, but I met a few and like, they were really great, like guys, like one of them went to Yale and one went to Harvard. I'm like, who are these like people just online? So I, anyway, I was trying with this guy for a few months and then, ended up getting him to come out to Sydney to do, I was based in Australia for six months. So I was got him to come to Sydney to freeze his sperm in the clinic. And I did one more round of IVF. And at this point I was 41 and I thought I'd have like 10 eggs, but I had one egg. So it was an absolute failure. But at this point, this is when I just got into self-development. Like I went to see Gabby Bernstein in the January and it changed my life. I read Super Attractor and my mindset just changed. Like I had so much self-belief and I had so much trust and they were the two big pieces that came into play for me. So it's like, he told me specifically my eggs were too old. And I just was like, that's not true. (laughs) I'm like, this is happening. Like I've got such a deep knowing that this is happening for me. And if it's not next month, it's the month after. And this was February, 2020. And I went into this just artificial insemination at the clinic and I was, you know, it has a 2% chance of working, like much lower than IVF. But I'm like, no, I feel really good about this one. I think 
this could be it. And that was it. That was the pregnancy mm, wow. that I had. And it was like I'd spent all of this time feeling like I needed a baby to make me feel good enough. And then when I went through this like real transformation of like, oh, I'm really, I, I found my joy. I found my happiness. Everything shifted like from that moment. Wow. And, you know, within six weeks I was pregnant. So I know for me it was mindset. I know it was me being it was shutting down that stress, I think, as well. Like everybody knows stress is such a big part of fertility. And I was just probably in fight or flight for like that whole year and a half. And it wasn't until I was like just in this pure like joy and feeling really great. Yeah. And that's why my work is like feeling good in yourself in order to ease the process and yeah. in order to get it easier. Well, it's such a special story and it just sounds like you really surrendered and then once you surrendered yeah. then it was like okay now you can have a baby but you needed to get to that point where you were able to actually yeah let go of of any expectation yeah exactly and it's like surrender is like not letting go of like wanting it it's just letting go of control and so mm. for me it was like oh I, I didn't think it was possible for someone like me I'm like I'm just gonna have to suffer through this until I get pregnant. So it was the same with a boyfriend. I'm just going to have to suffer until I get a boyfriend. So it's always attaching like my happiness to these things external to me. And when I found that like true internal happiness at 41, single, not pregnant, like it was the happiest I'd ever been. And that was like, that was the point where I'm like, I know this is happening. I just yeah. know. And, and was I it did. true? Was it true, pure happiness that was like not dependent on anything or anybody else? A hundred percent. And that's the thing you can't fake, right? Like you can't just go, oh, I know it's going to get me the thing that I want. And you can't be doing it for that. It was like, I met, remember so clearly the point I was walking between appointments and I'm like, it was such an overwhelming realization of like, oh my God, I've never been so happy. And it was just having done all of this work and like understanding manifestation and like, we're calling in what we were we're attracting like based on how we feel and like just having raised my vibration and my frequency and like being so like I was like it doesn't matter anymore whether I have a baby like I know I want it I know I desire it if it if it's through like donor eggs or like another way like I I'm tuning into the feelings of already being a mom and that was like really what what fast-tracked it for me amazing and so let's flash forward and tell I mean, if you could just share with us, how is it to be a, a solo mother? Yes. Well, it's completely surpassed my expectations. Like I cannot believe how much I love it. Like other people can't believe how much I love it as well. It's like, so that was March, 2020. I got pregnant. So just as like we went into the pandemic and then I was in Australia for another few months and went back to London. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, being pregnant was a little bit harder just because you couldn't see anyone do anything and you couldn't really form a mother's group. But once she was here, like I remember she was born and my brother actually had died on the same date. Like I'm like, oh, she's not going to be born on that date. No one in my, my due date, but he died on the 21st of November. And like I got induced a couple of days earlier and I'm like, oh, it won't be that date. And then she waited those four minutes to be born on the day that uh, the anniversary of his death and I'm like whoa I just feel so like connected and this is just so special and so wow. perfect and, yeah like 
I just, she came out and I was like, oh my God, I can never not do this again. It's so, just so like amazing. And yeah, I thought I was going to have a boy. I had a girl, I was surprised, but um, yeah, it's just been incredible. Like I just can't get enough of spending time with her. Like I just like absolutely adore motherhood. Like I feel like I've won the lottery of life every single day. Like I could just stay at home with her and just be so blissfully happy. And it's, so much easier than I thought. And I think what like I realized with a lot of married women who were like, it's really hard, it's really hard. And they're kind of telling you from this perspective of having partners who don't necessarily like measure up and pull equal share of like parenting. And it's it does definitely, I think, change the relationship when you have a baby in a partnership. But when you don't have that and there's no one else to to do things for you, you actually just like that's all you know. And so it's never felt hard. It's only felt hard when I've been sick and they're the only times. Everything mm. else is just such a joy and such a delight. And and maybe I'm projecting here my own fears because solo motherhood is something that I have considered in the past and I, and I would consider. And I always say if I reach 40 and it hadn't happened naturally for me, then it's solo motherhood is something that I would I would contemplate. And one of the fears that I have is that almost like if I was to do it and then it did feel hard that I would almost be like in that victim mode of like well everyone else has their partner and I'm the one you know not able to have that person to help me and that really that that deep almost like pitying of yourself that oh this is my story and this is how it happened and it's not fair that other people have a different different story so has that ever come up for you or maybe with clients that you work with of that feeling of I'm hard done by because I've gone down this route that's different from others. Yeah, well, it definitely hasn't come up for me because of the way that I transformed everything earlier, like coming to that place of happiness. It's like I live with such intentionality now, like ease and like just so much gratitude and appreciation. And that's what I've heard from all solo mums. Like it's the best decision they've ever made and they would not change it for anything. Like no one has ever, like I see it all the time now, no one has ever said they wish they were doing it with a partner. And I think it's just that, I don't know, it's something so empowering about doing it on your own. Like, and also like I'm now in my 40s and I can't believe how many people are breaking up. Like it's it's so like my sister's just separated from her husband after 21 years and my best friend as well. Like my best friend has like bought her house when she was 20 and now has to give half to her husband. And it's like, this is crazy. Like there's just so many, I would just say there's so many different options and there's so many different versions of like how you can do motherhood. And there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. Like I was, I'm really domestically lazy. So like I used to find a, like I hated cooking and I hated cleaning. And I'm like, that was my fear. Like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. I'm not going to be able to like, I'm not capable. (laughs) It was what, that was my big fear. Even when I was pregnant, like how am I going to manage? But I, I mean, I just don't even really think about it that much. Like it's, there's work, but it's so rewarding. And practically speaking, how have you managed? Do you have a support system in place? Like I know you you're you're living in London and you're... No, I used I used to live in London, but my mum got sick and we moved back okay. really quickly. And yeah, I'm not my mum's not close, my dad's not close, but my sister's not too far away, but she's kind of 
she's she's got an autistic daughter so she's not able to really help out a lot like I've never really felt like I've got friends around and they will help but I don't really feel like and I know maybe I've just got it too easy I don't know I I don't know why but I've just never really needed a lot of help like yeah it's not that hard like there's a lot of moments of just rest like you can just sit on the couch cuddle up like Lila my daughter loves to play in my bed so I just lie there (laughs) like there's just so many moments of downtime that I don't think people really talk about that much like it is you know cooking and cleaning a lot but it's it's not it's not hard like it's so enjoyable being around them that yeah it's it's I find it really easy and I think I want to pick up on the point that you said about there are so many different ways that people can become mothers. And I guess even take that to the timelines. Like there are so many different timelines that women or people, not even women, can be on. And society dictates that there's just one way to do it. And it's not true. And you're just such an example of that. So is this something that you're working with a lot of women to accept that and almost like go against what society says that you have to do? Yeah, 100%. Like, the thing that that's really interesting is that we're not actually that good at predicting what will make us happy. So I was so single-minded on it has to be partnership. That's the only thing that will make me happy. Like if you told me 10 years ago I would do this, I'd be like, no, 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 I can't. I don't want to. It won't make me happy. But it's like understanding that there are so many different versions of happy and if you just have this idea and this belief that partnership is the path to happiness, then you're closing yourself off to all these different ways. And I know with 100% certainty, there is no way I was meant to have a baby in a partnership. Like this, like I'm super independent. Like I moved back to London with, sorry, from London to Australia within a week because I didn't have a partner to ask whether I could like move back. Like my mom got sick. I wanted to go home and we just left. And it's like, I were going to London tomorrow for a month on holiday. Like I don't have to ask anyone. I just do what I want. And there's no relationship to maintain. Like, so all my time and my energy can be spent with my daughter, which I really love. Like at some point I'm sure I'm going to meet someone, but it used to be the only thing on my mind. And now it's the last thing on my mind. I'm just like so fulfilled and so satisfied with motherhood. And this is definitely right for me. And that leads into my next question that I wanted to ask was, can we talk a little bit about dating or the potential of dating as a solo mom? I think a lot of women can almost get on board with doing it alone, and but then they fear that, okay, what if that's going to take away my chances of eventually meeting somebody because I'm sure it's not, I don't know if, if dating is something that you you are in that world or you're currently thinking about, but I'm sure it's very difficult when you have a, a child in the picture to then like look at that part of your life so I'd love to hear a little bit of your thoughts thoughts about that yeah well I'm actually working with a client now who is in the process of having a baby on her own but doesn't want to close off to partnerships so we are working through her like dating patterns and stuff whereas I so I dated someone last year who I met in very fated circumstances I'm not actively looking but like I mean people say you can't stay at home and meet someone like I was literally at home (laughs) someone and I was I was living with my dad when I first got to Melbourne but like someone came over that was like we just immediately had this chemistry and we we were dating for a while but I had this was the point where I had not quite healed all my anxious attachment and stuff and it was actually the catalyst to really look into that but like it was easy like 
we would have dinner at my house and Lila would be asleep or we would just go for dinner in the city and I would either get a babysitter or get my sister to look after her. And I just like, I think if you believe it's hard, it'll be hard. Like it's the same with partnership. Like if you believe they're not out there or it's not possible for you, then no matter where you look, you're not going to find them. Like you've got to really believe that it's possible for you. And I 100% know I'm not going to be single forever. I'm just not really that interested right now in finding someone because I'm so happy and fulfilled and like just love what my life is and building my business and other things. But I know it's like if I met someone like randomly, I would, but I'm not on dating apps or anything just because I don't feel like. And I do think it's about breaking the stereotype. It's another stereotype of a man won't want to date a woman who has a child or a a a man won't want to date a solo mother and it's just sorry to swear but it's just bullshit because obviously there are men out there who would you know I'm sure they would swipe left on the like they would move past someone on that because they had a kid great like that definitely are maybe that is a majority like we don't know but they're not the person for you or for anyone who wants to become a solo mother but there are so many men out there who would date somebody who has children or even wants that and I think we just overlook that because we get so focused on the stereotypes and the statistics and I have a really close friend who she's in her late 30s she's divorced mother of two amazing children and she has a better dating life than or not now she's with somebody but when she's been single she has attracted more amazing incredible men than most women why? Because she doesn't have this thing in her mind that her children hold her back. She has the opposite belief. She's like, wow, my children are amazing and any man would be lucky to be in their world. And then she goes out there and meets men who love her children. And it's like, yes, why can we just not get past this thing that once, I think it's all to do with this society's perception of once women are past 35, their basically value is just goes completely down and that's it. They're old maids on the shelf. So it's so great to hear you talking about it. And I think it needs to be spoken about more that, yes, there are people out there who meet their love of their life when they're 45 or 55 or even in their 70s. And it doesn't have to be, you know, at this specific age. The minute that you're 28, 29, you're just going to meet the person, get married, have a baby at the right time. It happens for some people. It happens to most people, but not to all of us. Yeah. And I think it's a very idealized notion as well that like you meet someone, have a baby and it's like a blissful relationship and it's a perfect family. Like it's, you know, social media is bad for that fantasy projection. Like we're projecting our own like triggered situations onto it. But yeah, like a hundred percent, like the guy I dated last year was like better than any guy I'd ever dated because I was in my magnetism. Like I was feeling better about myself like I was projecting high self-worth and that is what will attract a partner it's absolutely nothing to do with your age it's absolutely nothing to do with having kids it is like how like how good do you feel about yourself how is your self-worth like what are you projecting out there do you have a life that you love and like when you have a kid like all that pressure's gone and you you will have a life that you love and you will feel like that like anyone would be lucky to be in my life like that's how I feel. Like I wouldn't be letting anyone in and and you become so much more discerning and you have such high standards for yourself. Like as I was talking about, I had such low standards for myself in my thirties. It's like anyone who like, you know, they, they didn't have to do much and I would still be like working hard to make them love me. And now it's like, Oh, what do I want? And 
what is like, what am I bringing to the table? What do I want from them? Like, there's just so much, it's so much more about me and like relationship is definitely out there for me, just not right now, but a lot of my clients are still open to meeting someone, even while they're going through the process of going into solo motherhood. And I'm like such an advocate for it because I'm like, these are the steps we need to take. You need to really like uncover what your dating patterns are, like why you're attracting certain types of guys. Because everyone's got these patterns. We're just, you know, attracting Mm -hmm. the same thing that is like happening from our childhood. So it's really interesting to be working with women on it. And just to like break that stereotype, it's all subconscious reprogramming, like change your beliefs and it will change. Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest thing for me that's come up in this episode is how much your mindset and your subconscious beliefs affect the ability to meet somebody, if that's something that you want or the ability to get pregnant, if that's what you want, you know, can even say on my own journey that I was dating for, you know, from the age of 33 to 35 and really not enjoying it and not really wanting to date. And I went through a period of time where I was like kind of husband hunting where it was like, let me find a baby daddy instead of actually like having a really true deep connection. At the time I wasn't ready for that. It was just age panic. And yet, you know, when I did decide to freeze my eggs and when I eventually did it and I just felt this like relief and release which again it's like it is a mindset thing when you freeze your eggs because it can't guarantee anything you know you know this as well like freezing your eggs is a great insurance policy and I do think it is more of a mindset thing to make you feel better but we don't know how our bodies will receive a pregnancy or if the eggs are even good quality we don't know those things at the point when you freeze your eggs and put them literally physically put them in the freezer but for me it felt like a huge relief that I was empowered I'd taken control I just said okay there is another way and doing that, literally, like, it was, like, a huge, imagine just, like, taking the biggest sigh ever. And I've been putting it yeah. off and putting it off. And then started my relationship with my boyfriend the week after I had my surgery. I had my, uh, yeah. the retrieval. And I know it was almost like the universe was just, like, waiting for me to feel empowered, waiting for me to say, okay, it might not happen the way I wanted. I'm I'm here for it. Universe, I am yeah. here for it. And then it sent me... Yeah, you know, actually, it was not even like sent me someone. It was already an existing person in my life who was a friend. And then I was like, okay, you know what? Let's just try because it took away that pressure. And I think yes. it's so important. So if we can get to that phase without spending thousands of dollars on egg freezing, amazing. <laughs> but sometimes yes. it takes those active and proactive steps to to get there. So I think that's something that's really come up from this episode is that, yeah, it's the aligned action and also the working on the subconscious beliefs. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, and that's the same for me. Like taking that pressure off was just like so empowering. Like, and and that's what I love to say to women, like, why, you know, why stay in that waiting energy? You're waiting on someone who might never show up. So like just take your power back and have a baby on your own, freeze your eggs, just take control of your fertility because you want to be in your magnetism. You want to be attracting somebody that like you want to be feeling whole and worthy and like yeah attracting the right partner not just somebody that you know like taking anything you can get which was what I was like in my 30s so yeah have you ever read the article by Laurie Gottlieb she's the author that wrote the you should talk to somebody about therapy and she originally wrote an article she wrote a book sorry it was an article in the Atlantic and then she wrote a book and it was basically like marry him the case of settling Mm -hmm. have you read that I've read the book I don't know if I ever read the article because I think that that had, you know, for me, 
I was in this relationship when I turned 30 that sounds quite similar actually similar in some ways of like a very good looking a very like eligible person to have kids with but on the inside the relationship wasn't necessarily like aligned or what I wanted but I was sticking around because I was like well I'm this age and this is going to happen and I remember reading that book and being like she basically is saying you should kind of her message actually isn't this but it comes across in the book if you look at it a certain way like just settle down with who you've got because it's hard to meet a man in your 30s. So just use him for a child. And then like, if you get divorced, it's okay. Laurie Gottlieb is a solo, she is a solo mother by choice as well. And she took that route when she was in, I think in her late 30s, 40s. And, and I remember reading that book and thinking, wow, like so many women probably like stay in these bad relationships. Cause I read it and was like, yeah, she's right. I should stay. And now I'm kind of like the book found me at the wrong time. If I read it now, it would be like, I'd have so much foresight to know that that's not the right thing to do. But I just wondered if you'd ever come across that book and if it was something that you considered, like, I'm just going to find someone and meet someone and we'll just kind of like take it from that. Yeah, I definitely considered that like settling. But I'm, I mean, I'm so glad I didn't because I see so many women now and like, I think your audience is in their 30s and you're seeing like weddings and engagements and it's all so blissfully happy. But like, Honestly, you get to your 40s and everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are splitting up and and the dysfunction that comes from that, like trying to navigate life with someone you don't get on with, who you have kids with and who you have to separate the finances with is actually really, really hard. And so my sort of message is like, it is far better to have a baby on your own than with the wrong person or with someone you barely know or with someone who doesn't want kids, like you're dragging them into kids or someone like even just having to wait for somebody, like it is so, so, so much more empowering just to do it on your own because like your life is yours. Like it's yours forever. Like if someone comes into our life, it's like great, but if they don't stick around, that's okay. And I don't have to navigate all of those things, which is just what I'm seeing now is so tricky for people. Yeah. Wow, such a powerful message to end on. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story. Really so inspirational. I know so many listeners will just benefit from hearing this and hearing about the options that they have. Can we just finish with you sharing where people can learn more about you and yeah, find out more about the work that you're doing? Yes, so I'm on Instagram at ebony.hibbert, H-I-B-B-E-R-T. And you can find all of my resources there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ebony. It's been such a pleasure to host you and I will see everybody on the podcast next week.